This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Because calcium is coming in through the diet all the time, and it does not either get released properly or it gets distributed incorrectly, or it leaches out of the bones as people age with, you know, where they acidize their bodies with pH levels that go off. And there's a whole bunch of combined reasons why calcium goes into the wrong place, but it's actually fairly simple to fix. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about the dangers of calcification. We'll find out how to get a good night's sleep. We'll discuss the treatment of Achilles tendonitis. And lastly, we'll explore how to choose the right charity to support. But first, a little bit of business. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. Ian Clark is the founder of Activation Products. When Ian faced life-threatening illnesses in 2004, he started a journey of natural healing that finally resulted in speed healing all of his issues, ensuring a very long, healthy life. These discoveries are now being shared with millions of individuals to enjoy their own journey to health freedom. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm doing fantastic. Good so, to be back. I'm glad you're here. But you know what? I think, you know, the topic of this show, when you pitched it to me, the dangers of calcification, you know, it's scary season, Ian. It's October. It's almost Halloween. We don't want to scare them too much, but it is serious, right? Oh, yeah, it is. You know, people, as they age, they start to turn into statues and you see them start to move slower and stiffer as time goes on. And that's on the external side. On the internal is what we're talking about today. Okay. So let's get started. What is the largest organ in the body? I, I thought I knew the answer to this, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, everyone says the skin is the largest organ. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we all used to say. But the largest organ in the body is the inside layer of all your veins, arteries, microcirculation, which is the endothelium layer, which is the place where you produce nitric oxide. And it's the flexibility of that cardiovascular system that is of extreme importance. That is, it's the size of a soccer field if you laid it all out. Wow. So I think that's even bigger than, than our intestines then, right? Oh, yes. Much, much okay. bigger. Yeah, okay. There's miles and miles and miles of microcirculation and, and veins and arteries and so on. Okay. So when we're talking about calcification, then we're talking about hardening of the arteries, right? Yes. That's a, a term that the medical world uses, and it's a, a very good, accurate term. It's like turning to stone where the flexibility you know, goes down, the blood pressure numbers go haywire. Mm -hmm. And that is based because calcium is coming in through the diet all the time, and it does not either get released properly or it gets distributed incorrectly, or it leaches out of the bones as people age with, you know, where they acidize their bodies with pH levels that go off. And there's a whole bunch of combined reasons why 
calcium goes into the wrong place, but it's actually fairly simple to fix. Okay. So where do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk about the fixes or do you want to talk about the causes of, more specifically of where, how the calcium isn't going in the right place? Well, yeah, when, when calcium is not directed properly, your body's intelligence wants certain materials to work with to distribute, right? So there's two things. There's magnesium is one that we'll talk about first. Magnesium and calcium are buddies. They're kind of like married. Mm-hmm. When a person's magnesium levels go too low, then the calcium gets released incorrectly. And that's where it gets into the joints or the muscles and causes stiffness and soreness. It can also get into the cardiovascular to cause heart palpitations. It can also cause anxiety even. Right. Because of depression or oppression, high blood pressure, you know, hypertension. Because a muscle relaxes with magnesium and contracts with calcium. You need both because you're contracting and relaxing all the time to walk around. So they're both essential, but they've got to be together. So when you have too low magnesium levels, then your muscles start to get stiff, and then that tightens up because 80% of your nervous system, your central nervous system, is connected to muscles. Okay. And you have, right, you have all these layers of muscles and patterns and all these, these things that are constricting within your system makes everything tighten up, and then the pressure goes up, plus you're calcifying your cardiovascular. So there's this whole cascade of things that happen as people age. And so the, it's not even how old you are, Jamie. It's really how long you've been doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. Okay, so what are some of the things that people don't do right? What do you mean by that? Well, they fail on the area of making sure they don't have deficiencies. Like magnesium deficiency is known now for over 25 years in the medical world, in the naturopath world, where they've done a ton of studies and they found out there were more than 330 biochemical reactions that require enough magnesium to function properly. So everyone has magnesium in their body, they just don't have enough. Okay. And yet they estimate like 85% of people don't have enough. So when we learned about that, we found out that going through the skin, magnesium going transdermally is the most effective, the fastest working because it can be put over your whole exterior body and get in, but you have to have the right kind of magnesium. Okay, so what kind of magnesium are we talking about? Well, a lot of people are familiar with magnesium sulfate. They take a magnesium sulfate bath and that relaxes them, but that's not the kind that holds as a fuel. The right kind is magnesium chloride hexahydrate. It's a very high-end pharmaceutical-grade extract from seawater. It only has the pure molecule of magnesium chloride with six water molecules attached to them, which is a perfect biological match for your system because your body has electrolytic fluid in it. You know, everybody says that you're 80% water. Well, that's another incorrect statement. No, we're not. We're 80% electrolytic fluid, whether it's saliva or tears or blood or lymphatic or whatever is in mucus, etc., right? Yeah. So those fluids within your body have electrolytes in them. It's electrolytic. So when those electrolytes go down, they don't match well, and you, you run low on fuel. Okay. And that, so magnesium is called the master mineral that goes along that line. So the, the product that was developed for that is called Ease, and it's, uh, it's from Activation, which was designed specifically. Like there's 15 different steps to get it to the place where a person can actually get it, put it in their skin, and get a benefit. Right. And so that we saw huge results. That, that's been out there for 15 years now, and it just has huge results with everyone who uses it. You you know, you get better sleep at night when you put it on your body before you go to sleep. You get better, clear energy through the day when you put it on in the morning when you wake up after a shower. And it just, it's a fuel. So people run low on fuel that they don't have the right kind of fuel, then their body notices it because it's something that you're using all the time. It's not like just sort of goes in there and you've done it once and you're good. You got it, it's like the tank of fuel. And then the other one uh, that we found out about, which was equally as important, for the internal consumption is 
something called K2, MK7. So K2 is vitamin K2, but the MK7 is a, an additional component, and there was only one manufacturer in the world who, who we found out about who had a trans factor where it gets actually into the cell to do its work, and it has a 72-hour half-life. Most of the products out there, and we won't name names, but they had like a three-hour half-life at best and didn't have trans factor. So people are buying expensive nothing. And when you put the right stuff in, uh, and we've seen men go and get, and, and women, of course, too, but, but men particularly, because men seem to have more of a problem with this, with the endothelium layer and the hardening of the arteries sooner than a woman, be on the K2MK7 for a few months, and they go back to the cardiovascular age of a 25-year-old in their 60s and 70s. That's how effective it is. So what is the vitamin K doing? Like, how does it work? You, you explained what the magnesium is doing. What is it doing? Well, it works together with any, any available calcium in the body. It directs it into the bones where it's supposed to be. And takes it away from the veins, right? Isn't that part of the it, picture too, right? That's right. It pulls it, like if, if it's been displaced, it goes after that and puts it in the right place throughout the whole body. It takes a period of time. It also works in conjunction with D3. You'll often see that K2 is with D3. Right. But you've got to be careful because they've got to get the right K2. If they only took K2 alone, the K2 MK7, particularly the one that we have sourced, which is called Perfect K2D3, and we also have Perfect K2 coming up by itself, they have that and they, they are going to see a remarkable change. So even men with you know male function are going to see a, an upgrade because the endothelium layer softens and becomes supple again and is able to be flexible and produces more nitric oxide. Nitric oxide helps a lot if people do their research on it. So yeah, taking it internally on a daily basis, and this is like a, a must-have. You have your like-to-haves have, have, and then you have your must-haves. Okay. So for you, Jamie, to have a long, extended, high-quality, everyday life, you've got to have these must-haves in your, in your being, and that's magnesium and K2 MK7 are two of the major ones in the topic we're talking about today because none of, none of us want to get stiff and sore and turn into stone and statues and die like a statue because that's what people, that's what's happening. That's what's going on constantly. Okay. Ian, I know you reference a term that I don't think people think about in health, but I want you to explain it for everybody, and, and that is equity. So when, when you refer to equity, what are you talking about and how does it all fit in? Well, it took many years for me to really understand what true equity is in our world and what we're responsible to do when we're supporting people to have a better lifestyle. So just think about the average life expectancy being around 77 years old in North America. Mm-hmm. And today, right now today, Jamie, you and I are the most valuable we've ever been in our entire life because we get more experience, more wisdom, more knowledge, more ability to be more defined on delivering value to people every day we get older. I agree with that. Because we're learning more. Yep. So at 77, you're going to be the most valuable you've ever been in your entire life. In fact, you're young now, and by the time you're 77, that's a lot more years it's, going to be, it's like an exponential curve of value. Well, if you were to terminate at 77 with a funeral, that would be the end of that value. Now, what if you learn things today and ongoing that could extend your life 10 years or 20 or 30? Mm-hmm. Now, you continue on that exponential curve of value, and you're impacting not only yourself, but everyone around you, your family, your children, your grandchildren, whoever, your colleagues. Everyone is impacted by your presence in a very positive manner because of your value that you bring on the earth. So you can't even begin to calculate what a one-week or one-month or one-year additional would be worth versus not having that. 
And we're talking about equity in this lifetime. So the equity is in your value outweighing to everything around you on the ripple effect to infinity. So when I found out about that, I went, oh, I know what our job here at Activation is. Our job at Activation is to make sure that everything we do knowledge-wise, teaching, education, and raw materials are to support every person we're in touch with to have a greater amount of equity the longer they're here on this earth. And the longer they're here, the more equity they have, the more equity they have, the longer they're here, the more knowledge they have. So they don't have an, a, a surprise cancer, surprise heart attack, surprise stroke, because they had a lack of knowledge. People perish from a lack of knowledge. So we want to have everyone fully knowledgeable of, of how their body works and what is going to keep the body running for a longer time because they are going to enjoy it that much more, but everyone around them, all the younger people within their heritage and family and, and you know, tribe, are going to be dynamically enhanced by their presence. And then if you do that for a thousand people or a million people, or, you know, wow, what impact that would have. So it's not about money and net worth and all that stuff. That's all fine, but this is about real equity. You know, you can't, you're so, so valuable you can't even put a price on it to start out. I kind of like that concept, Ian. You, you've never told me about it, but I think it speaks, like, when we do these health shows and, and we're talking about nutraceuticals or exercise or diet, you know, people sometimes get fixated on how this will extend my life, but mm-hmm. I think they should also be focusing on how does it improve the quality of my life as I go forward and, and what in turn can I do with that increased or maintained quality of life, which is I think what you're talking about right now as well, right? It isn't just about lengthening the life, which I know you, you know it's easy to conceptualize, oh, I'm going to live for an extra couple of years or do this. But the question is, what are you going to do with those years? And you know, are you going to be living in pain or are you going to be able to go out and do the things that you want to do, right? Right. Are you, are you going to become dependent on other people or are they going to become even more dependent on you because you're providing them so much value? So it's not just your value. Right. It's the ripple effect to infinity of value that you're exposing many, many people to who you influence and, and bring a, a wonderful benefit to. Okay. So we have maybe two minutes left in the interview. If you only had like an elevator pitch, like two minutes to tell somebody what else they could do to achieve that equity and be in a position to give back, what would you tell them? Well, number one is recharging. So your sleep is extremely important, not just to have a good length of sleep, but to have a deep quality of sleep. And sleep is dependent upon how your overall system is running. So your a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Mm-hmm. And there are many things that prevent people from having a deep, high-quality, recharging sleep, or they wake up in the morning super excited for the new day with full of energy. Having had a, 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 you know, they've restored themselves. They've processed the trauma from the day before with dreams. They're, every cell is regenerating. You've got, you know, you're on the circadian rhythm of the Earth's magnetic fields, and you're just basically dialed in. So I would say that sleep is of the most important thing, and you have to have the elements in your body for your body to repair itself during its sleep time, as well as drift off and not have your autonomic nervous system in sympathetic stress where you can't go deep, you know, getting yourself into parasympathetic. So that's the essence, because then your daytime, your wake time is fantastic. Your sleep time is complete heavenly. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me, and thank you for everyone who partakes and listens to all these things. That was Ian Clark. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to get that good night's sleep on The Tonic. (laughs) 
I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Buston. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's a health and wellness publication distributed with the Globe and Mail to each and every home subscriber in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. And it can be found free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. You can learn more about Tonic Magazine at tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, check out the new look of Tonic Magazine. Re-regulate your sleep patterns with Nutripure's Summerall, a blend of natural plants that helps re-educate your body to sleep better naturally. Summerall also works on soothing your nervous and digestive system to permit a deep and restful sleep. Talk to Nutripure's experts on all their social media platforms about how Summerall can help you wake up rested every day, all naturally. For more information, visit Nutripure.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Alexander Leon is the second generation in Nutripure and has participated in the family business throughout her life. She's earned two university degrees in science at McGill before returning to take on the quality assurance department at Nutripure. She's now the public face of Nutripure and travels across Canada to participate in consumer shows. Her goal is to develop a close connection and a better understanding of people's needs in order to offer the best formulated products possible. Welcome back to the show, Alexandra. How are you? Very good. It's been a while. It has been a while. So I'm glad you're on today because I got to tell you something without getting boring you with the details. I'm, I'm not having the best sleep lately. And, okay. and I know you're going to help us with that today, right? Well, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, I'll be able to answer a couple of questions. Excellent. So, what's important to know about sleep? Where should we start? So, in order to understand sleep, I think uh, the most important is to understand how our energy level works throughout the day. So, your body is designed to vary within 24 hours. So, you're talking about the amount of energy, but your amount of focus, your time you need to recuperate. So, you're varying throughout the day between a cycle of awake and a sleep phases, okay? So this is called the circadian cycle. Yes. So the circadian cycle, basically if you look at the brain waves, you'll have uh, an awake cycle, which is basically high rapid peaks in brain activity, which is called the beta brain wave. So this is when you're awake, you're alert, you're active, and you're able to like process information, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you're trying to sleep, you're trying to reduce those waves into smaller, wider waves. So this is called the delta brain wave. Okay, so your circadian cycle brings you from high peak, rapid firing of activity to delta brain waves, which is lower, wider waves. Sound good? Yeah. So far? Yes. Okay. I'm with you so um, far, but but no tests, no no quizzes. Okay. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so people kind of see sleep as I'm close my eyes and I sleep throughout my night and I wake up and it was like a straight line between point A and point B. But it's not like that. So 
the same way that during the day you'll have peaks of energy where you're you're able to work and do things and other parts of your day where you're a little bit slower and you're capable of doing other things like you're relaxing, you're reading a book, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Your sleep is a bit similar, meaning that you have different periods in your sleep cycle uh, where different things are happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. So while you sleep, you need to let each organ in your body eliminate the waste, recuperate, and then rest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in order for proper sleep to happen, you have to go through a few cycles that's going to bring you into your deep sleep where your whole body basically is recuperating in the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So during your sleep, you're doing, um, so basically your metabolism is trying to repair, rebuild, restore damaged tissues. Your organs, so let's say if you say your kidneys, your intestines, are trying to dispose of all the waste that you've accumulated during the day, create a waste that's going to be eliminated during the day. Your brain is storing memories and solidifying neural pathways. So anything that you've learned during the day needs to be kind of reinforced in your brain. Uh, your immune system, who's been fighting all day, is also going to accumulate waste, so microbe waste that's going to be eliminated, as well as just recuperating and making sure that it's able to fight for the next day. So in order for proper sleep to take place, you have two parts. You have the part where it needs to kind of clean up, and then the other part where it needs to rest. So the same, a little bit the same way that you have us in office. Everybody works in an office. At the end of the day, the cleaners come. They clean up the whole office, and the office is quiet until the next day, right? Yep. So you're kind of trying to build towards that part where you're able to rest. Makes, is that a bit clearer? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So is there any way that we can impact that cycle? Yes. So the circadian cycle is based on light and dark. So you're activating your system with light and you're deactivating your system with darkness. So um, for sure, you're always, you're trying to always orient your sleep in the same time as you would have darkness because it's just easier for your sleep uh, to happen. So basically, the lack of light will promote your um, sleep to start on its own. Got okay? it. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that can dysregulate your system. So even though you maintain that cycle throughout your life, uh, there's a few little things that can completely send you off balance. So, for example, um, digestive issues is one that a lot of people have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. And that can really dysregulate your ability to sleep. So, for example, um, if you have uh, digestive issues, you will have more waste to eliminate. And it will also take longer for you to recuperate during the night. Okay? So your whole digestive process is longer and more extenuating because you have a digestive difficulty. Okay? Yes. So a good example of this is somebody who says, like, I have a hard time like, sleeping because I have to wake up two to three times during the night because I have to go pee. Yep. Okay? So these are people who have digestive issues. Their body is trying to eliminate a lot of waste during the night, and they're not able to to compensate for the extra demand okay Mm -hmm. so these type of people are great responders to plants like hops or chamomile so these are plants that help with the digestive system but also brings you into a state of calmness so it helps with cramps spasm gases and it really allows your system to rest while it digests and then when you're it brings you closer to the digestive rest that it needs Mm -hmm. Um, People who have this problem also respond really well to eating a lot earlier. So if you eat 
right before going to bed, so within the hour before going to bed, your system is trying to digest while trying to sleep, which it doesn't work. So it's better if you, you eat at least three to two hours before going to bed, so your digestive system is already digesting while you're providing it still with energy. And then when it's ready to sleep, when you're ready to sleep, the digestive system is also ready to reduce its energy. Okay. Okay. There's two other main causes uh, that people find that dysregulates their sleep. Uh, one of them is stress. So stress is very, very common, obviously. Yep. Uh, so what happens with stress is that basically you have more rapid firing of your nervous system, right? So it's more activated, but it also does not respond well to the slow down signal from your brain. And so these type of people are people who have a hard time falling asleep, uh, they toss and turn, uh, they wake up early, uh, or they'll wake up pretty much at anything. So they'll hear a little sound or they'll have like a, a little bit of light from outside coming in all of a sudden and it's going to wake them up. Okay. Okay. So this type of individuals usually have a magnesium deficiency. So stress eats up magnesium stores. And magnesium deficiency has been shown to promote high-frequency brainwaves while being asleep. So when we were talking before about the beta brainwaves, so the awake types of brainwaves, which are big and rapid peaks, so people who have magnesium deficiencies have been shown to have those types of brainwaves, but during their sleep cycle. Hmm. So basically, they're kind of still awake in their brain activity, but the rest of their body is asleep. So it's kind of keeping them alert while they're sleeping. Hmm. Which is not really great. Yeah, it's, it's like waking brain while your while your body's trying to rest. That yeah, that's no good. Exactly. So in this case, um, obviously magnesium is going to be supplementation or throughout the food, however you would like. But really helps with uh, nervous sleepers. Valerian mm-hmm. uh, and passion flower are also very popular plants uh, to help with nervous relief. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the last one that people complain about as well are aches and pains. So they'll wake up during the night with, with like tension in their legs or, or, you know, they're just uncomfortable position and they're always, sometimes it's going to be um, tingling in their arms or things like that. So they're more related to postural problems or, or muscular problems or neurological problems. This is a little bit more tricky, but one of the, the things that help a lot is going to be obviously exercising. And I'm not saying go run a 10K, but... Uh, just just the light exercise is going to be great. Stretching before going to bed, just to release the tension that's built up during the day. Uh, so light stretching or some type, sometimes just some heat, some heat pads or um, a hot bath, just to help, again, release the tension in your muscles, release the tension in your nervous system, which is going to help with the pain throughout the night. If not, uh, magnesium is also super great for, uh, for those areas as much as for neurological, but also for muscle issues, magnesium usually is also deficient in, uh, in these types of individuals. Good. Is there any other recommendations you have? We only have time for maybe one last one. Uh, okay, perfect. So for sleep, you're trying to re-regulate your body, right? So you're, um, you're trying to eliminate as much as possible the stimulation. So I would suggest to reduce the amount of light before going to bed. So even an hour before, if you can turn off like half the light in your 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 room, uh, so dim it or just close half the lights, just to help your body ease into that cycle, the, ner- the, the circadian cycle, 
That's good advice. And I, and I know that sometimes people, you know, they'll screw around with their phones or their tablets right mm -hmm. before bed. But that kind of light and that kind of display, unless you have a special setting on it, can also sort of disrupt your, your body's ability to, to shift gears into the proper circadian yes. rhythm, right? Exactly. So that's light and it's also activating because you're doing something more intense. So definitely nothing that can stimulate your brain. And I've got one last one. I'm going to throw one in for free. Okay. And, th and that is your room temperature and it should be cooler than you think, but a cooler room will also help you sleep longer. I would think. Yes, it does because it does provide your body with the right temperature for it to recuperate properly. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. You're pretty good. I know I'm not bad. Maybe I should have my own show. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show today. No problem. That was Alexander Leon. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the treatment of Achilles tendonitis on the tonic. Are you stressed out, feeling down, having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, enhance your mood, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, Merry Mind Omega, and Sleep 8. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. And for more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. <sighs> Does the fear of losing control keep you awake at night? Enjoy better sleep on something you can control. The Supreme Adjustable Bed by Ultramatic. Customize your back, leg, neck, and lumbar positions with push-button control for relief of back pain, arthritis, and sleep apnea. The Supreme. Take back control of your life. Try Ultramatic's Supreme Adjustable Bed for 100 nights, risk-free. Learn more at ultramatic.ca. Elevate your sleep. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Aaron Boyden, or Dr. B, is an orthopedic surgeon with a unique approach to musculoskeletal pain, blending both the art and science of medicine. As the first female orthopedic surgeon to work in the MLB and NHL, she's had an extensive experience in dealing with overuse or wear and tear injuries. Welcome back to the show, doctor. How are you? I'm doing great, Jamie. How are you doing today? Good. I'm taking notes because uh, th this one is personal. We're talking about Achilles tendonitis, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So what is it for those who don't know? Well, the Achilles tendon is probably one of the largest tendons in the body, and it's at the back of your ankle. It's a tendon that attaches your calf muscle to your heel. And if you just put your hand down there, you can feel this thick cord. That's your Achilles tendon. And Normally, tendons, which are made up of threads of collagen fibers, go through a little remodeling process. You might pop a collagen fiber here and there, but our body has the capability of repairing it. But tendonitis happens when you tear too many of the collagen fibers and you're not able to repair them fast enough before you go out and you start overusing the tendon and overloading it again, and you end up with a, a painful, swollen, tender tendon and it's not fun welcome to my world okay so um <laughs> i know what the symptoms are but for those who don't what are the symptoms of achilles tendonitis so often it starts out with a feeling of pain and stiffness at the back of your ankle 
and if you look down, you may see that there's some swelling in the area and that the tendon itself, if you compare it from one side to the other, has become much thicker. And eventually, you end up with pain when you try to push off and weakness if you were to try to jump or run. Uh, But usually, the pain gets to the point where you don't want to do any running or jumping. Or even walking. So (laughs) are there special tests required? Like I know, I know I have it, but, uh, but is there anything that you would use to diagnose Achilles tendonitis? You know, really the history and physical examination is pretty straightforward for people, but if the problem's not going away, we may get an x-ray to see if there's any calcification within the tendon. Sometimes you see spurs, and that's just evidence that you've really been overloading that tissue for a prolonged period of time. And certainly you can get an MRI or an ultrasound, which will show sort of the phase of the tendonitis. It starts out with initially what we call tendinosis, which is a remodeling of the tissue in the tendon, and it can progress to a partial thickness tear, and fortunately, rarely a full thickness tear. But you don't really need these tests unless you're not responding to the usual treatment. So let's talk about treatment. Like, is there a way to get rid of tendonitis if you have it? There certainly is. Unfortunately, it's one of these things, especially with the Achilles, uh, it doesn't go away quickly. Nope. And the problem is, is that we're up on our feet and we're walking around every day. And so just when you start to recover and repair the tendon, you get up and you run around on it and you kind of undo the repair that you've already you know, try to accomplish. So the key things really are to try and decrease any inflammation that's associated with the tendon. And and one thing that I find is that the tendon itself sticks to the, there's a fat pad that's just deep to the tendon. And when the fat pad sticks to the tendon, it doesn't allow the tendon to glide and it puts extra stress on the tendon and it becomes a vicious circle. So You can actually grab the tendon and put your fingers just around the inside of it and wiggle your ankle up and down, and that can release the fat pad. Or better yet, you go to a physical therapist or a massage therapist who knows what they're doing, and they can release the tendon. Um, Doing some active self-myofascial release yourself using a foam roller where you place the roller on your calf, and then you actively pull your toes up towards your nose, that's called ankle dorsiflexion, can also be really helpful because it sends a neurologic signal to the calf muscle to relax. So trying to get that tendon to release from the surrounding tissues and getting it gliding is one of the first important steps. And then getting the little joints in your feet mobilized. Commonly, I find that people with Achilles tendonitis have a stiff subtalar joint. And so when you have little stiffness in the little joints in your feet, it puts extra stress on the tendon. And finally, I look up at the glutes. Because if your glutes aren't working well because you sit a lot, then the gastroc and the Achilles tendon that's attached to that muscle have to work extra hard, and that's when they can wear out. So there's a lot that can be done, but it's a little bit complicated in trying to really fix the problem. Right, and it's not intuitive to think that your ass is the key to your ankle, right? <laughs> you know, right? You know, who would have thought? Absolutely, right? absolutely. So are there any stretches that you can do if you're suffering from this pain that like, you can just do in the privacy of your own home without necessarily going for massage therapy? You know, the short answer is yes and no. Um, I'm not a huge believer in stretching in and of itself for the Achilles tendon because we tend to stretch the tissue that is healthy. 
when the tendon itself is inflamed, it's very stiff and non-pliable, mm-hmm. and that's actually the tissue that needs to lengthen. So instead of stretching, I prefer to do the foam rolling. So instead of rolling on the tendon itself, which hurts, you roll the muscle above, and while you have the roller on the tendon, you can actually actively try and stretch the tissue by pulling your toes towards your nose. Cool. All right. Now, I have my own thoughts on this, but what are your thoughts on walking as a means to sort of loosen everything up for tendonitis? I think that it's it's one of those things that is good, but you have to be smart about it. Okay. So it's good because you can activate the muscle, you can get things warm, you get the muscle warm, you can loosen it up, and you're using the muscle and the tendon, which are important for recovery. But if you overuse it, then you're in trouble. So it's learning to do enough of the walking, but not too much. I have this thing I invented. It's, it's a concept. I, I can't patent it or trademark it. It's called halfway tired. So, <laughs> so like when I go for a walk, I have to determine when I'm halfway tired if I'm not walking in a circle so that I can turn around and come back before I do the damage, right? And it's, it's a tricky thing, right? It's notional, right? Like I, I think if I, if I turn around now, I'll be okay, right? But if you're wrong, then you're wrong. So, so. <laughs> you're so, but you've you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. You want to do enough, but not too much. Exactly, halfway tired. Yeah. You can use it if you want. I'm, okay, thank I, you. I, I, I'm I'm going to write that in my book. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to gift that to you. So, what is the best treatment for the tendonitis, as far as you're concerned? Well, we've already okay. discussed a number of the things, but I want to highlight and emphasize that you've got to get to the root problem of why you have the Achilles tendonitis in the first place. And everybody focuses on the Achilles tendon itself, and they just want to treat the tendon. But why is that tendon and that specific part of your body being overstressed? And I find that people often have pronated flat feet or their glutes aren't working. So you can do all the things we've already mentioned about, you know, the anti-inflammatories, active self myofascial release, but one of the keys is to actually turn on the little muscles in your feet, make sure the little joints in your feet are mobilized, and strengthen those muscles in your feet in addition to strengthening and turning on your glutes. And those two things in and of themselves will prevent your Achilles tendon from being overloaded, allow it to heal, and prevent the problem from coming back. Okay, so I know, for example, there are certain shoes that have good arch support, which are helpful, and those that don't. So, for example, I never wear my old Converse because they're just flat, and it's not good for my feet if I'm walking in long distances. Are there choices that we can make with footwear that will help with tendonitis? There's no question. I don't know if you ever remember these shoes, the root shoes, you know, the ones with the really low heel and the higher forefoot. Sure. I mean... I got these in grade seven, and I think within about two weeks, I had a nasty case of Achilles tendonitis. So I definitely don't recommend those shoes. But doing the opposite, raising the heel slightly, you can actually put an insert into your shoe, or you can buy a pair of shoes. If you Google online, there's like a gazillion different types of, of shoes. And shoes that will support your arch, you, again, you know, you're, you're being smart. I can tell you've got some experience with this. Is important while you're wakening up the muscles in your feet so that they can actually do the job. But footwear is very important. Okay. We have time for one last area, and that is, you know, if things aren't getting better, if you're, you know, you're focusing on your glutes and that's not helping and you're doing your foam rolling and you're warming up and you're going for walks and none of that is working, what are next steps? So, 
at that point, if you're if you're not getting better, then I would be looking at sort of overall activities. Like, are you just you, you haven't been listening to the uh, Am I half tired yet? You know, you're <laughs> probably going out and overdoing it, and yeah. you really have to kind of slow down okay. um, to allow the tendon to heal. If that does not work, then you need to go and talk to a surgeon. And it's extremely rare that you need to have surgery on the tendon, but sometimes the very degenerative part of the tendon has to be removed in order to allow it to heal. And this is rare. Like I would say that out of all of the patients that I've seen with Achilles tendonitis, maybe only one or 2% of people end up in that boat. So really look to build your foundation for movement and make sure that you're not overdoing it while you're trying to recover. What percentage of people actually recover from tendonitis? Like, like is, it, is it a good number? Oh, yeah. I would say that 95% will fully recover. It just takes time, and it can take up to two years. The body is slow. There's not a great blood supply in the tendon, and it, it just needs to remodel. But the vast majority of people do uh, cross the finish line and get better. Cool. One last question, and that is, would you recommend cortisone if it's super painful for people? You have to be very careful and go to an experienced doctor for cortisone. If you put the cortisone in the wrong part of the tendon, you can actually uh, increase your chance of rupture. Mm. So I'm not a huge proponent. I would rather have uh, what's called iontophoresis, where the therapist can use a pad to get the cortisone into the skin area. And because the tendon is so superficial, that is as effective without the risk of uh, tendon rupture. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. My pleasure, Jamie. Thanks for having me. What would you like to discuss next month? Next month, I'd love to talk about carpal tunnel syndrome. Fantastic. That was Dr. Aaron Boyton. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to pick the right charity to support on The Tonic. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation Products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. This is The Tonic 
on Zoomer Radio. Success enabler, idea broker, and award-winning marketer at the PR department, Brigitte Foisy has been strategist behind some of Canada and the world's biggest brands for over 30 years. She's also the vice president at Chefs Canada, the organization that manages our national culinary teams. What she enjoys most is connecting with people and being the bridge to successful, mutually beneficial partnerships. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So we've been discussing over our past uh, interviews all about giving and donating time to charities, but sometimes we don't have the time to donate and our donations are more of the monetary kind, right? Absolutely. And I'm sure I'm not the only alone in my skepticism and concern as to where my dollars are going when I give. Based on my research, it's actually one of the biggest concerns of those who give. So before you sign that check and become the person with a wallet as wide open as your heart, consider having a strategy so that your hard-earned dollars does the most good. To me, all charities are not equal. Some are effective and efficient and focused and reliable. Unfortunately, others are not. If you pick a bad charity, there's little likelihood that your funds will be spent effectively. Plus, some charities have huge support from the government and perhaps don't, quote-unquote, need your money as badly as others. On the other end, some live day by day, which can also be a sign that they're financially mismanaged or an indication about their long-term sustainability. Well, I think it's a particularly germane issue because for a lot of charities, COVID has been even worse for them. The need for the work that they do is greater but their ability to fundraise has been diminished because they can't hold, you know, they couldn't hold live events. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was difficult to reach out to people. Their budgets were constrained. Being functional was, you know, like, like everything else, people just weren't as functional from an administrative perspective during COVID. So for all those reasons, I think a lot of charities are struggling right now. Yes. So what would you do to recommend, like what's the checklist or ideas that you have when you're assessing a charity? Well, I've put together kind of my four checkpoints that okay. I do before I open my checkbook. So for me, the number one is transparency. My rule of thumb is if their website has information about their operation and I don't have to dig for it, it typically doesn't raise any big red flag for me. On the other end, if they're not transparent about their operation, I'm a little more careful I mean, it might be a lack of sophistication and modernity, but it can also be vague and deceptive on purpose. Hmm. The number two for me is Googling the organization. I mean, a simple Google search will enable you to see what people are saying about the charity. Social media is definitely a great place to check out like comments and complaints. Although we shouldn't believe everything we read on the internet, it may give you an idea of problems or concerns. And uh, yeah, I typically look for complaints. I mean, I feel it would be disheartening to give to a charity and then see a complaint on the front page of the paper the next day. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) The third one for me is their mission, service, and program. So I want to know if they have a clear mission or if they're just like doing a million things to please every donor. I want to see if they're effective. I look at how they're are governed? Do they have a real board that has credibility and is actively engaged? Also, always worry of unrealistic claims like 
for only one dollar you can save a life. I usually <laughs> place greater value on whether a charity is responding to a natural need. And then fourth, I look at financial. In business, a financial statement gives you an idea of whether a company is profitable. Unfortunately for a charity, it only gives you a small part of the picture since financials don't tell you whether a charity is successful in its mission. It rarely takes account of volunteer, which is a competitive advantage of the sector. Somebody posted a comment that you should never donate to a charity unless it's have audited financial statement, which I think is ridiculous. Most Canadian charities have an income of under $100,000 a year. So for a charity to spend two to 5000 or more for audited financial statements, for example, and they have $10,000 in revenue, it's hardly a great way to spend charitable funds. I would agree. I would agree. So this is the time of year as we're heading into the holiday season when people mm-hmm. make the decision to write a check. So what are the things that listeners can ask before they write the check? Organization, like you said before, need to cover operating costs. But it's nice to know what percentage of the donation goes directly to the cause and to the program. So some charities are lean when it comes to overhead and use very low percentage of their budget for administrative and fundraising expenses. That means that they're spending the most of their income on programs that benefit the communities. Money Sense has an annual ranking called Charity 100, and it rates charity based on finances, openness, using various data so that it's a great place to start. When choosing a charity, I typically look for one that dedicates less than 30% of its total cost to administration and fundraising expenses. That way you can be sure that your charity has an eye on maximizing your gift. Okay, is there any flexibility to that number? Because some charities are more sophisticated and the work that they're doing requires a little bit more overhead. Or is that just sort of a general rule of thumb that you go by? It's a general rule of thumb. Uh, There's another resource, which is charityintelligence.ca. It's a Canadian company. And on their website, I always run kind of my donations there. It rates charities on a different scale, like financial transparency, results of reporting, their demonstrating impact. And it also gives you, for every cent on the dollar, what percentage goes to admin and what percentage goes to actual programs. So that's a great tool to just double check before you write a check. (laughs) So if a charity is not audited, how are these websites actually determining what percentage of the revenue that's coming in is actually flowing through as opposed to being used for? I'm uh, not sure. I know Money Sense. I'm assuming that they take their annual reports and things like that. Sure. Same for charity intelligence, for example. Every charity still has to report and be open on their reporting. So I'm assuming that is one of the tools that they use. And also, I mean, to be in the in the Money Sense Charity 100 or even on Charity Intelligence, I mean, it's a great opportunity for charity to show transparency and potentially get funds from consumer, like that trust level, right, to be established. Sure. So I think there's an openness to share their data with uh, these organizations. 
Do you ever concern yourself to whether or not the charity is registered? Because, you know, there are certain rules from a corporate standpoint. I'm putting on my lawyer's hat again. Charities have to operate in a certain way that are different than other companies, right? And if you are actually a not-for-profit company, you are required to operate in a certain way with certain type of tax returns. It doesn't require an audit, but it does require a certain type of accounting. Do you turn your mind to that at all as, as a donor? Well, CRA has different rules between yeah. actual registered charity and not-for-profit, right? Like yep. both still need, I mean, if you're paying tax in Canada, you, you still need to report to CRA. So, yep. I mean, there's different rules of Tom. I personally feel I want my money to work on in my community on programs that are effective and are reaching needs within my community. So that is more important to me than registration or, you know, having audited financial statements and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm assuming that people that are multimillionaire that donate millions of dollars a year, they have other benchmarks when it comes to donations. But I think for me, as a small business owner, as an individual, I want my money to work within my community. So it's more important to me that their services reaches my community and that they're focused on actually answering a need. Okay, we have time for one last quick question, and that is, how do you give, what's the best method of donating? Mm, good question. I'd encourage you to give first to fewer charity. Donations take time and cost money to process. So instead of donating 300 bucks to 10 charities, give 300 bucks to three. And that way you're reasonably certain of some effectiveness, right? Don't give on the phone. I will not say this enough. You don't want to give your money to go to telemarketers commission. You if you want a very high percentage of your funds to go to charity, there are three options in my mind. One, write a check. Usually cost, depending on your donation size, could be about less than a percent. So that's a really great way. Credit card. If you have one, find a charity's website, donate online. If they don't have donations online, you can call them directly. But buy credit card is great. And if the charity does not have a website with a give button there, you can go to CanadaHelps.org. It is a registered charity that has 85,000 charities listed there. You can donate to any one of them, and they take only 3.9% to cover credit card fees and administration, and the money goes to the charity of your choice. So I think Canada Helps is a great way if the charity doesn't have a direct donation way to give to them. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. No problem. My pleasure. That was Brigitte Foisy. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Ian Clark, Alexandra Leon, Dr. Aaron Boynton, and Brigitte Foisy. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The September-October issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website, tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.